hey mommies welcome to another episode of mommy with maya where we'll be talking about all things motherhood i'm super excited for today's episode where we'll be talking about breastfeeding and lactation support and everything in between um but as a reminder and a disclaimer i want everyone to keep in mind that although we have um educated and licensed trained um, guest speakers that you really need to consult with your doctor or care provider before trying or engaging in any of the things that you might hear us talking about on this episode on any past episodes or any future episodes. Um, The goal of this podcast and this pregnancy series is to really educate um, through knowledge and to share personal experiences And we all know that pregnancy and many other things in our lives are not a one size fits all. So what might work for someone might not work for you. And I just want to make sure that everyone is staying safe. So please keep that in mind as you're listening. Um, But feel free to converse with us. Let us know what you all think about this episode. If you have any follow up questions, we'll gladly welcome them and figure out a plan to execute some of our answers. Um, But I am super excited um, for this episode. And in just a second, I will let our guest speaker introduce herself. Um, But I just want to share and thank her um, for accepting this invitation to be on this podcast because not only have I worked with her professionally I've also consulted with her personally during my breastfeeding journey um, when I was having some issues breastfeeding Sarai um, that we might talk about later if we um, have enough time but um, just to know her and the work that she does um, and not only to know those things but to have personally experienced her support and help um, on a personal level, I think it's super important and I'm so excited to have her. So without further ado, I will turn it over to our guest. Hi, everybody. Um, So first, I want to thank you for that wonderful, wonderful introduction. Um, (laughs) I don't I don't know what to say besides thank you. And um, I'm glad to be here. I really am. Um, like I said, I'm Melanie Hutton. I am a certified lactation counselor. I'm also a newly trained and working towards being comfortable um, building on another passion that I have, which is working with pregnant women um, as far as their birthing experience. But I, right now, the hat that I wear is my certified lactation counselor. And um, I want to Again, I don't know how many thank yous I can throw out to you because I love speaking about breastfeeding. I love everything about breastfeeding. It's so corny, (laughs) but it's the truth. And to know, you know, to hear, to hear women, families, people come back to me and say, you know, you helped me do X, Y, and Z. um, It really, really it makes me feel better than than any amount of money or any amount of uh, hard work that I put in just to know that moms are reaching their goals toward breastfeeding and not having regret. So um, I want to, again, say my name, which is Melanie Hutton. I'm a certified lactation counselor, uh, birth, birth doula, and I actually have a social media handle on um, Facebook and Instagram. It's the dot lactation doula. And um, 
My email is there. My email is the company name, which is Mamello Lactation and Doula Services, M-A-M-E-L-L-O, which I searched high and low for a name. And Mamello is actually an African uh, word. I don't know exactly where in Africa, but um, it means patience. So it really struck a chord with me because I think that you have to have a ton of patience and respect for lactation and birthing. And I thought it fit well with, with my goals and my mission. So Mamello Lactation is our website and uh, the lactation doula, the dot lactation doula on Instagram and Facebook. That is so awesome. I did not know that is um, what your business name stood for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I I agree with you. I mean, I think breastfeeding at being on both ends, right? Because Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually a breastfeeding peer counselor, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, the difference between the different Mm -hmm. credentials. But, um, you know, being on the one side of, you know, I've helped some friends and even um, friends have recommended other people to me like oh she has a breastfeeding question like can you help me yeah like <laughs> um, I'm like sure send her over <laughs> um, but then also breastfeeding myself um, you really do need patience yes. right yes um, so that that is awesome mm-hmm. um, and now I, I learned something new today yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so just to jump right in I know you um stated your credentials and I threw out breastfeeding peer mm-hmm. counselor there's educators CLCs IBCLCs mm-hmm. but for you know an expectant mom or even a mom already who's thinking about having another baby and maybe breastfeeding um, can we just talk about the different credentials between the kinds of support um, and the credentials that someone might have um, in regards to breastfeeding absolutely absolutely so I'm gonna go I'm gonna start Start from, I guess, uh, what would you call that? Um, apprenticeship yeah. <laughs> to executive. That's what I, I'm. I'm big on analogies and comparisons, so you you'll notice that, and anybody listening will notice that I like to bring it down to something that is understandable because that's how it works for me, and that's how I talk to the families when I'm counseling. Um, I really don't want to be so crazy and technical and all that. So I like to keep it really simple. So the difference in credentials is very important. Um, Just because you want to make sure the information that you're getting is within uh, within that counselor's scope of practice. So I just want to explain scope of practice really quickly. So scope of practice is what is assigned to different levels of, I guess, education and specialties. And there's certain things that people can do within their scope of practice. So now that you get that part, we can talk about the, uh, what I like to call the beginner of um, breastfeeding credentials, which is breastfeeding peer peer counselors or educators, okay? And what that usually is, is a woman or a person who has had their own breastfeeding experience, developed a passion for it, and wants to help other families. Um, There is a curriculum that is taught, and it explains the 
basics of breastfeeding, how to recognize some issues, and how to refer out, which circles back to the scope of practice. So if a breastfeeding peer educator or counselor were to see something that were out of their scope of practice, something that they should not touch for safety reasons for mom and baby, they would refer to a higher credential. Okay. And so the next credential is where I sit right now, which is certified lactation counselor or uh, CLC as some other, some other women, um, some other persons call it. Um, CLC is, I started out as a breastfeeding, uh, breastfeeding peer counselor um, with our local WIC office. And that is where I was for five years and I learned so much and I loved working in the community. That's another thing that breastfeeding peer uh, educators do. They work in their community. So certified lactation counselors, uh, you would sit for a usually five day. It's about, uh, I want to say over 40 hours of education, direct education. And then at the end of those hours, you sit for a certification test and the test is not easy. <laughs> they, you know, babies are not easy. So they made the test not easy, but I was fortunate enough to sit for the exam and pass it. And that is how I moved um, from breastfeeding peer edu- educator slash counselor to a certified lactation consultant counselor. And, and it's, I, I want to point out that everybody notices how I slipped up right now, certified lactation counselor and certified lactation consultant, right? So remember that. <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> our next level is IBCLC, which is the internationally board certified lactation consultant. This is the highest tier of um, breastfeeding credentials. It is an international licensure. And that is a more, you know, if I could think of a more in-depth way of saying in-depth, then that would be the word. (laughs) Um, Usually it consists of over a thousand hours of contact with breastfeeding families. Um, They have changed it within the last couple of years, what you need um, education-wise and um, credit-wise as far as being able to sit for the exam. And once you have that licensure, that cert, um, that consultant license, you hold it for five years, but you have to sit and recertify every every five years to re to uh what's the word to hold your your licensure. Right. Um, it doesn't just mm-hmm. continue indefinitely. Neither does the CLC. Um, and breastfeeding peer counselors and educators are always learning all across the board. If you are a breastfeeding educator and you offer support to women, you should never, ever, ever stop learning. If you ever meet anybody who says, I know everything about breastfeeding, they're lying. (laughs) Point them my way. Point them my way. (laughs) They are not telling the truth because there's always new information coming out. And where I know any, any, else any counselor or consultant that's worth their weight and you know wants to continue to learn from others from books etc so that's the different credentials in my in my explanation (laughs) no that was great um I do aspire to also um get uh become a Mm -hmm. CLC 
Um, so um, I've started doing the. I mean, I've done the research, and I I relook at it yeah. over and over again. Yeah, it's... <laughs> but it's about you know finding when they're going to be in the area and things. So like that, that is so... very hard because they they travel across yes. the country, and CLC mm-hmm. is you know it's it's state to state occasionally, and you might be ready to take the test say in August, but they're in Hawaii, and you're in you're in Jersey. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I have to go to New York, and the oh, IBCLC wow. exam used to be offered only once a year now they offer it twice a year Mm. yeah and and these are expensive I just want to add something really quick so I am a black certified lactation counselor and I say that proudly um it doesn't mean that I I don't serve any any uh I serve and it does mean that I serve any ethnicity but I do focus on um black women and black people of color because there are some disparities. And part of what I experienced when you mentioned you aspire to be a CLC, um, it was hard because of the cost. The cost of taking these exams and these licenses are are sometimes so astronomical. What may seem like a small piece of chump change to someone else, it was a huge bite out of you know, my mm-hmm. financial abilities at the time. So I just wanted to add that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, trust me. Um, that was one of my uh, issues as well, mm-hmm. barriers, mm-hmm. right? And um, I mean, I think we could have a whole nother yeah, episode we probably could. <laughs> about barriers that women of color face when we're trying to do things to better ourselves and our families mm-hmm. and communities. But um, yeah. I won't go there <laughs> <Not tonight>. today. <laughs> But I'm I'm grateful that you shared that um, in a full transparency moment because it's not just even though someone might have the passion and the mm-hmm. drive and the interest, there are you know a price yes. comes with everything. I mean, like everything else, and sometimes um, the women who would be able to best help and best service are from the same communities mm-hmm. that um, might be facing the same financial barriers or hardships like that yeah. we're all facing, right? So how do we yeah. get out of that? Um, but thankfully, um, I, I've seen recently some mm-hmm. scholarships and, um, things like that. So, um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that you overcame whatever you were going through and were able to receive that credential because, I mean, like I said, in my introduction, you're just, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> so, um, you. I'm just super excited that we were able to cross Absolutely. paths and um, that we're sitting here talking about this because so many women, moms, um, I mean, I even had uh, males whose partners mm-hmm. were pregnant, um, you know, talking to me yes. about breastfeeding and what to expect or even just hearing that I was a breastfeeding um, parent and then just like, well, oh, well, my wife was Always. going this and like giggling <laughs> about like the leaking mm-hmm. and all the leaking stories and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad to have this platform that we could talk about yes. this. Um, because it's important, um, you know, about feeding our babies and keeping them nourished and Happy. and yeah. all that good stuff. That comes yes, with all it. of it rolled into one. <laughs> yes. So just to piggyback off a little bit about, you know, the three different credentials, I would like to talk about why did you personally become um, okay. a CLC? Um, so in my work... <sighs> I'm still trying to figure out how to explain this because it it is fairly new. Um, 
So right. <laughs> I'm with a nonprofit organization and I've been with them for three years now. And when I signed on and became a part of their team, I was a experienced breastfeeding peer counselor. Um, and right. part of the program and the grant that I work for actually is what we were talking about a second ago is trying to uh, help aspiring lactation counselors to get credentials, to get credibility in the community, to input and feed more people of color into these different credentials because there is such a lack of color. Um, you mm -hmm. would be surprised to see um, I, I'm in school now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm old. I'm, in, I'm actually in college with my college, <laughs> with my oldest daughter, who's a freshman in college and I'm in college. Yeah, oh, it's wow. fun, but it's weird. <laughs> so I'm back in school right. because um, I'm teetering on whether I want to sit for the IBCLC exam and I need these college courses to do so. But um, okay. coming into my, the nonprofit that I work for as a breastfeeding peer counselor, the grant required that I become a CLC. And that was awesome because like I mentioned before, it had been such a financial burden um, and they ate the cost for me. Um, and that was, okay. that was, I'm so grateful. I'm still grateful. I wouldn't have my business and I wouldn't have had the, the courage to take it a little bit further and become a birth, a birth doula. So, um, I think that I always, I always wanted to attain that IBCLC credential, but coming to mm -hmm. the CLC, um, this is fine for now. And I, I became this, I, I got this certification because it does matter. It does matter when I speak to doctors and nurses and, and moms, because there's this, there's this hushed conversation throughout the community that one credential is better than the other. And I don't right. agree with that. I, I, I do, I do believe that experience when, when you seek out lactation or breastfeeding support, experience is the thing that you want. Um, the second thing that you want is you want to connect with the person that's going to be educating you and offering this, the information and talking to you. So education and a connection is the key. Um, and I can tell you, sometimes when you identify yourself as a breastfeeding counselor or a CLC, people kind of dismiss you because they're like, you don't know, you, right. you're, you're not the top tier. Mm -hmm. You don't know anything, but, um, I, I'm going to say that's false because again, circling back, some women have been doing this for years, for centuries, mm -hmm. and they're lacking certain components, certain ingredients to sit for that exam or to pay for that exam or to have access to it. And they're stuck in this title, but they're phenomenal. Mm -hmm. They're phenomenal. And I know a few personally. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I can say I've heard similar conversations, even as far as, you know, yes. about doulas, um, which we're talking about um, you know, on another episode, but, you know, mm -hmm. doulas are support, you know, people normally or typically women, and we can date them mm -hmm. back to our ancestors and grandmothers, great grandmothers who didn't have, you know, a, a university or yes. an organization to go sit to become a birth doula or any kind of doula, you know, so 
Um, I totally mm-hmm. understand that. Um, I totally understand that as far as the the mix up or um, how people might view someone yeah, based off yeah. what their title is. So, um, but I have to say that um, before I, I guess, kind of like dived into wanting to know more about. Um, breastfeeding mm-hmm. from the other side and I say other side as far as not breastfeeding mm-hmm. my own children um, I didn't know anything about yes. the different kinds of titles I didn't know who to look for or how to contact anyone or if mm-hmm. insurance covered the support and all this other stuff so I think that's super important for um, new moms or even you know veteran but soon to be expecting moms um, to start talking with their Yes. care providers about um, looking at community resources to see if anything is offered. I know you mentioned like, mm-hmm. local WIC offices, mm-hmm. sometimes like border social service or your county offices mm-hmm. might host, um, you know, mm-hmm. breastfeeding classes um, and things like that. So I think, I think there also needs to be a conversation about um, like education, yeah. access and knowledge for the expectant. I agree. Um, person, um, just just as much as there needs to be conversations going on about not the stigma attached to a credential or mm-hmm, a lack mm-hmm. thereof of a credential. So it is like well, all I just I just want to piggyback <laughs> off of that for a second, and you know, it it's it's awesome when moms have that that I don't want to call it an epiphany, but that moment when they realize that that yeah, I want to breastfeed, I want to try breastfeeding, and that is a great moment and that is a great place to start. But I think whether or not mom decides she's going to breastfeed, you should be having these conversations before you're pregnant, during your early in your pregnancy, mm-hmm. during your pregnancy, and especially afterward, soon as soon as possible. Yes. So you need to talk to mm-hmm. Uh, your mom, talk to your aunts, even if they have bad experiences, just get some information um, so that you can take it, process it. And then when you decide to have mm-hmm. someone support you, who's a professional, you can say, well, you know, this is the information that I have. And the job of the the peer counselor, the CLC, the IBCLC is to address those, those, uh, the bad information or the or the incorrect information right and replace it mm-hmm. with fact-based information so conversation yeah. that's that's what talk about it to everybody because you never know what you may hear yes I mean I think that's super important because um I mean I've heard so mm-hmm. many stories about you know or I see so many posts in some mm-hmm. of the Facebook groups that I'm in where people are commenting like oh I was at you know Thanksgiving or a family gathering and they were yep. all just like badgering me about why I'm still breastfeeding or you know d- the way that they might have viewed it and this is um you know a first mm-hmm. generation breastfeeding mom and you know she's dealing with so much because she did Yes. research some homework and she did make a decision Mm -hmm. to breastfeed her baby um but her family might not be on board or they're not having those conversations Mm -hmm. until they're at the gathering and she's like openly shocked and and awed and and surprised what what is take that in the other room you're next to the turkey (laughs) exactly yes so, I mean, even personally for me, I didn't, I mean, I 
you know, clearly known of breastfeeding. Um, but my first personal experience with breastfeeding mm. was with my mother um, when she had my sister and we are 15 years apart. So mm-hmm. um, I was 15 clearly when she was born. And I actually don't really recall seeing uh-huh. my mom nurse her, um, which is fine. Um, but I know she pumped, she pumped <laughs> so much. She made so much. Uh-huh, she definitely uh-huh. had an oversupply. <laughs> um, but we didn't really like talk about it so um I mean it wasn't like shunned or anything but she pumped so much so we didn't it wasn't brought up in those conversations like in front of other people or in family and stuff like that because Mm -hmm. she always had milk in a bottle but um which is fine there are some women who exclusively only pump um yes it is considered breastfeeding um Mm -hmm. which I want to point out um, because they're controversy like battles yeah. you know Facebook posts exactly about that's not breastfeeding it has to not be true. physical baby to breast and mm-hmm. those things like that but that is not true if you're pumping or expressing milk if they're yep. even getting it through a syringe yep. or any other thing um, shout out to the, the first time breastfeeding moms um, and the pumpers because pumping is yes another full-time job it's 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 an interesting way of life um some women live by it and some women like myself you know you do what you got to do and that's funny because that's how I was with pumping I I enjoyed the physical part of breastfeeding um not pleasurable and maybe we can delve delve into that a little bit (laughs) but I enjoyed that connection um more than pumping but you know you do what you have to do so yes for sure I mean I think I have I think I had different experiences Mm -hmm. with each children so I um have you know four children um, that I birthed three of them um and so my first son I breastfed him um until he was one um and I did a combination Mm -hmm. of nursing and pumping um and at the time you know he was my first um Mm -hmm. baby from birth and I was 22 I didn't really do any research I just kind of Mm -hmm. made a decision like oh I want to breastfeed and it happened to just go well for me and so I continued Mm -hmm. I set my goal of one year um, mm-hmm. and, and that was pretty fine. Um, when I had my second son, um, I kind of thought I, I stopped, I pumped a little bit more because I was nervous. Like, oh, I have like the other two boys and I want him to always have milk. So I hmm. need to pump is what my mindset was. Um, and so I nursed him maybe like at night or first thing in the morning, but I tried to pump. And then when I wasn't in my mind, getting yeah. enough milk, <laughs> quote unquote, <laughs> I wish you could see those quotations, right, Uh because of what I know now, but um, in my mind, I wasn't getting enough milk, or my output didn't seem like I was getting enough milk, so that made me nervous and stressed and anxious, and so I ended up, uh, stopped, I stopped breastfeeding him around five months. Um, I mean, I'm grateful because I did pump so much milk, and I had milk frozen that I was able to carry him through about nine, eight and a half, nine months um, with Uh, Mm -hmm. majority breast milk before having to supplement with formula but um again I think if if I would have had support right from a certified Mm -hmm. or a trained professional I would have went beyond the five months of nursing and pumping because I just thought that I wasn't making enough milk which is absolutely a huge misconception for um breastfeeding moms and if if we want to even just talk about that 
we can um because I mean your output and I don't and, and please correct me if I say it like the wrong way but like your output is an indicator of if your baby is getting enough milk especially if yeah well you put them it's funny because it's, right? it's like it, it goes against everything that we've been taught all our lives which is you, what you see is what you get mm-hmm. um <laughs> and right breast milk is magical again here's my here's my corniness coming through and my 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 zenness but breast breast milk and breastfeeding is magical um and it works in a way that I just want to put on my CLC hat here for a second. So you you felt like you didn't have <laughs> enough milk the second time around after breastfeeding for a year. Um, <clears throat> I really wish I would have got to you before <laughs> when when you were doing that one. Because yes. <laughs> I would have taken you aside and said, look at this whole being that you grew for a year on your life support alone. There's no way that your body right. would let you down. A second time around, you know, it's very rare mm-hmm. that a, a a woman with the right hormones or a person, I, I want to be inclusive because a lot of women don't identify, a lot of people yes. don't identify with the woman, female gender. So a person with breast yes. or with a chest that has the correct makeup of hormones and no deformities uh, from their breast and isn't taking, you know, any medication that would interfere, excuse me, is the, the chances of you not making enough for your milk is so slim. Um, the last I checked, cause I'm constantly checking in the entire world about one to 2% of persons who aim to breastfeed won't be able to make milk. So that means that 98 wow. to 97% of the, the world's population that aims to lactate, um, you're, you're able to do it. You know, there's a very, very small right. chance that you won't make enough milk for your baby. Um, and it is confusing. And, you know, as a professional um, <clears throat> myself, that are some, those are some of the thoughts that creaked into my head with my first and my second and my third, even my, mm-hmm. my third time around, you know, I was like, am I making enough milk? And I had to kind of literally shake, right. shake it off and say, come on, you, you know, this don't, don't, don't let this, don't let this deter you. And, and you have to be strong yeah. and seek out support, positive support. And, and, and it'll see you through. Yes. So, you know, when I hear other women that I'm counseling or that I'm just talking to and having conversations with, it literally breaks my heart because we all have these, uh, I feel like women, persons who have multiple children, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I have three and I aimed, I had to set the bar higher with each one because I looked back and I said, I didn't do X, Y, and Z. I got to do it this time. And then the mm-hmm. second, the third time right. I was like, I didn't do X, Y, Z, one and two. I got to do this. And if I had right. been brave enough to have a fourth, then I still would have had some goals that I wanted to meet. But, you know, I don't think you're ever going to meet every single goal that you want to, but to have multiple failures rather than a few triumphs is, is something that I don't want to see. I want to see women walk away and say, you know what? I did a damn good job. And next time I'll just do a little bit better, Mm -hmm. but I feel good about what I did. 
you know? And yes. I don't think I felt mm-hmm. that way. I know I don't, I didn't feel that way with my first and my second. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I was so devastated mm-hmm. when I had to give Carter formula. Like I just, I mean, and, and nothing against anyone mm-hmm. who, who chooses to feed um, their baby formula, but mm-hmm. for me and my personal choice, um, I did feel you know, yeah. like I failed and I didn't make enough milk and all the other stuff. But I think even when I was just listening to what you said, I think that can also be directly connected to mm-hmm. um, education, right? Like I've learned um, even briefly in my breastfeeding mm-hmm. peer educator training and even in my doula training, you know, you go over the yes. size of a newborn <laughs> baby stomach, of an infant stomach at these months. And so, you know, I'm expecting like, oh, well, my two-month-old mm-hmm. used to drink seven mm-hmm. ounces. I mean, and I'm just making this up. Um, but in all actuality, like, no, that is not good. Like, no one talked yes. to me about, you know, paste feeding. No one talked to me about the size of my baby's stomach. And, you know, maybe every one, like, two or three hours, they should maybe only be drinking, like, yep a mm-hmm. half ounce to an ounce per hour or anything like that and so maybe if I yeah. would have known those things <laughs> then I would have been able to continue um and and reach my goal but um I mean so that's why I think it's important that we are having this conversation because you know even like what we're talking about now there might be some some people out there who are expecting or intending mm-hmm. to breastfeed who might not know those things and I know I mean we could talk about we could, so we could. and be here for five <laughs> hours <laughs> um but I would just encourage I mean and you know like we said earlier speak with your providers your family members and reach out to a trained certified educated professional because there's so much to learn not only about how your body produces milk or when your body starts producing milk and switching from colostrum to milk how long it takes for your milk to come in but there's also education that needs you know to be taught about the size of your your baby's stomach and 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 those kinds of things that I I don't know that you know your standard Mm -hmm. um you know OB or prenatal care they don't talk about yeah you don't see the pediatrician while you're pregnant right (laughs) so it's not until after when you're at your first week and you're already stressed about well and they're telling you that the baby dropped back down to the birth weight and didn't gain Mm -hmm. this and they're in a lower percentile so maybe you need to supplement and it's scary and it's scary it's scary because who doesn't want their baby who they've been waiting for for nine months and then you mm-hmm. see this awesome kid right. and you want to do everything you can to protect them and get them to grow. And the doctor tells you, first of all, lady, you're not feeding him right. Second of all, right. he's not growing. Mm-hmm. And now you need to do this completely different from what you plan to do. So it, it can be devastating. It can ab- right. absolutely be devastating. And um, I, I, I would like to add that I've worked with OBs um, prior to my, you know, CLC and my birth doula. I've worked in uh, doctor's office, physician's offices for over 10 years. I worked uh, for an endocrinologist and I also worked for an obstetrician. And I always point out doctors are there to keep us healthy. Okay. And they all have their own specialties. And in the top of our conversation here, we broke down 
breastfeeding peer educators, CLCs, IBCLCs. And if you guys remember, um, I told you I like to make comparisons. So if I were to go to my primary doctor and tell them that my foot hurt, they're going to see me, they're going to ask me a few questions, and then they're going to write me a referral to a podiatrist because that's out of their scope of practice, right? If you're going to your pediatrician, or you're going to your obstetrician, your OB, your, your prenatal doctor, and you're asking questions about breastfeeding, if they don't refer you out to a, a breastfeeding or lactation professional, they're doing you a disservice if they don't have that CLC or IBCLC behind their name, because that is out of their scope of practice. I don't, mm -hmm. don't want to take away anything from doctors because the amount of education, the amount of training, the hours they work, you know, the things that they have to put up with, is, is right. out of this world, but you have to know your limits. If you're a pediatrician with an IBCLC behind your name, absolutely share all the breastfeeding education and information you have. But if you're an, a pediatrician and that is your, that is your, your, your specialty, when you hear a mom having, you know, doubts or questions or concerns about breastfeeding, there should be someone at your front desk that can pull out a card or a phone number mm -hmm. and refer her to an appropriate support system. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. It's so, um, I mean, the fact that you said that my experiences and um, my first two children, we went mm -hmm. to the same pediatrician, but then when I had Sarai, um, we went to a, a sec another pediatrician and it wasn't until with mm -hmm. her, my third pregnancy and baby that, um, yeah. that I had that experience when I went in and I don't even know if it was my, mm -hmm. I don't even know if I was showing any concerns or what, but she still, um, you know, I think maybe she said, if mm -hmm. you have questions or something comes up, here's the contact information for, um, that uh, is awesome. And I was super excited because she, yeah. was, a woman of she was a woman of color, mm -hmm. which we know mm -hmm. there are far and few, like you mentioned earlier. But um, it, I mean, it's just crazy to think that out of mm -hmm. the three babies that it wasn't until the third. That is that, awesome. That I had that, an experience. And, 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 um, I, I, it is. you know, I'm, I'm round of applause for that doctor because she is an advocate for breastfeeding. I can, I can share with you on the, on the, yes. uh, on the other side of the spectrum, an experience that I had, which was with my, my third child, which is my son. And, you know, I had been, I, to give you a little background on it, I had been a breastfeeding peer counselor for probably two years prior to having him. And I had already had my first two children, my daughters, and our breastfeeding experience, ugh, this is where the the five hours would be needed. <laughs> but basically to sum it up, my yeah. oldest daughter had tongue tie, which went undiagnosed until she was about 12. Okay. And, and I found out about it and brought it to the doctor's attention after becoming a peer counselor. And that, that was the issue behind our breastfeeding. So right. tongue tie is when the babies have a little extra skin underneath their tongue and it prevents that movement that's necessary to move the milk. And a lot of times from mom's breast and a lot of times what would happen is some women and babies or some persons and babies can breastfeed successfully, successfully with the tongue tie and some it will cause a huge amount of problems uh, like low weight gain, pain for mom. Yeah. She may get cracks or nipples, which is what I had. I, I mean, to, to be as graphic and, and as possible, 
um, my nipples looked like ham- ground hamburger meat by the time she was done with me. It was so painful. We'd both be in tears. Wow. Yeah. It was terrible. And I had no support. Um, my second daughter, we we breastfed. Um, and it's funny because she was born in the middle of a nor'easter. <laughs> And we were in the hospital with a skeleton crew <laughs> and there were no, not many nurses, not many doctors, only one other lady delivered on the floor. I remember cause she had twins and they left me on the bench to go deal with her. <laughs> and we delivered oh my the, the OB. He, he walked in as the students were, were, you know, getting her out and cleaning me up. So he missed the delivery. And after that, they put us into recovery and then they put us in our room and they left us alone and nobody came to bother us. And what wow. happened was I didn't know at wow. the time, but I did skin to skin, right? I did what felt right. And mm-hmm. we just hung out together. Mm-hmm. And I just yes. sat in the window in the hospital room and just looked at her and she looked at me and we nursed. It was like textbook. Um, but there was still that milk insecurity, right. which is what I call, I call it. I didn't feel like I was making enough. So I would breastfeed her and I would give her a little bit of formula. Mm-hmm. And we continued that way until for nine months. Um, but then I got my calling to really get into breastfeeding education. And I became a peer counselor and I learned so much. And I had the support of the women that I worked with. Excuse me. And I had the accolades of the women that I helped support. And I was able to start breastfeeding my son in the hospital when we got home and I had a plan and I had all this education under my belt. And I remember going to our first pediatrician <laughs> yeah. appointment at that three, three day old appointment. And we go in and mm-hmm. the, the, the medical assistant or the nurse, you know, whatever, whoever comes in before the doctor. And she's asking me some general questions, you know, how are you doing? How's the baby doing? And she goes, um, how much formula are you feeding him? And, and my breast, I ripped open my yeah. shirt in my head and had that big B on my chest, like breastfeeding <laughs> mom. Nope. You didn't, you did not just ask right. me that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm breastfeeding. Right. He's only getting <laughs> breast milk. And she looked me in my eyes and said, well, you need to pump to see how much he's getting. And wow, I lost it. <laughs> And I, yeah, I, I, I gave yeah. her a piece of yeah. my mind just because all the only thing I could think about was if she was not speaking to Melanie Hutton, breastfeeding peer counselor of almost three years, right. you would have defeated mm-hmm. someone else's mm-hmm. breastfeeding journey. Yes. And I told her that I said, yes. you don't ever, please don't ever say that again to another mom. You are so incorrect. And then when she left Mm -hmm. with her tail between her legs (laughs) and the doctor came in, I let him know (laughs) what she just told me. And my passion for breastfeeding can Mm -hmm. sometimes get in the way of my delivery. And I really try and watch it because when I say, you know, everybody's always trying to decipher uh, having love or being in love. I'm in love with breastfeeding. And I I say all that to say the fact that I knew what I knew and I was my own advocate and I seeked out positive support. My son and I were able to yes. exclusively breastfeed for breastfeed for six months. Right. We continued Yay. for up, up until he was three and a half years old. 
And that is my, I I can honestly say that is my biggest achievement in life. I have certifications. I have traveled to different places. I've done all these, you know, fun things, but breastfeeding my son for three and a half years, the experiences, the education, what I can share with the women and the families that I work with, that is what is the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, that is amazing to hear that. And I'm so glad that, like you said, that yeah, that experience, I mean, it's an unfortunate experience, but I'm so glad that it was you. I mean, yeah. who knows how many people she might have talked to like that beforehand, but I, I hope that moving forward, it gave her a different perspective and um, some things changed because it, I mean, it's so funny because I almost had like a similar like epiphany and it was more mm-hmm. so just making a determination that I was going to breastfeed Sarai I mean like you know I did with all the other kids but I was really like we're gonna do this um and so I already knew what to expect (laughs) two or three day you know newborn appointment and it's so funny because when people reach out to me and I kind of like mentor and guide them through their pregnancies Mm -hmm. and um we start talking about breastfeeding um, I'll tell them yep, I'm like exactly. listen I, I just want to give you a heads up <laughs> that I'm like it's normal mm-hmm. for your baby to lose weight in the hospital I said the day like you know two or three days mm-hmm. your milk might not have come in or is just coming in so when you go to that newborn appointment your baby probably won't be back at it's their birth yep. weight or especially if they're on breast milk Mm -hmm. higher in the quote-unquote like percentile that they're expecting you know the absolutely which i'm glad you pointed that out with formula fed (laughs) and breastfed babies so mm -hmm. and so i say to them i said please don't be alarmed they're probably because Mm -hmm. you know again everyone is not the same it's not a one-size-fits-all but I say to them, they're probably going to say that your baby is a little underweight and have you considered supplementing with formula and that they'll see you back in a week. And I just want to say that to you because I don't want it to alarm you, right? If if I I tell them, I say, if you are making the decision to breastfeed your baby, Mm -hmm. for me, hear what they have to say but please continue pressing forward and then maybe reevaluate after that next appointment and I can't tell you maybe like I mean I had so many people deliver babies that I was uh, working with over this past year but two babies Mm -hmm. in the last one was last week and another one was maybe about a month ago I you know we had that conversation and she messaged me after the (laughs) first appointment and said said exactly that (laughs) And, um, you know, I just chuckled and, um, but then she messaged me when Mm -hmm. the baby went back, whatever, five, seven days, whatever their increments, um, are. And she's like, you were right. Like she Mm -hmm. gained like the quote unquote right amount of weight and blah, blah, blah. And so I just think that again, there's not even enough education around that as far as when your milk is coming in and Mm -hmm. like I mentioned you know this percentile or growth chart that doctors have I don't even know how dated or outdated they are but um 
you know, mm-hmm. they're getting mm-hmm. a median of babies from everywhere <laughs> um, that are both breastfed and formula fed. And so just because your baby might fall a little bit under or over that doesn't mean that there's, you know, anything wrong. I get um, exactly what you're saying. And, and just, just, just again, to add a little bit more, <laughs> right. it, our babies are different. Our, our babies are different. And as long as they're within range, whether they're mm-hmm. on the lower side or the higher side, you have. Yes you have the ability to continue breastfeeding and what you do is you seek out professional support. I I can't Mm -hmm. say enough how having a, a breastfeeding professional peer counselor, peer educator, CLC, IV CLC, someone who's experienced in the community even to support you in, in your goals, how much of a difference that would make when you hear the doctor saying things like this. And then you have this, this breastfeeding messiah mm-hmm. that swoops down and says, look, this is what the doctor is going to say to you. This is normal. Watch and see. And then they see it. Mm-hmm. And then they see it and they go, holy smoke. Exactly yes. what you said <laughs> is what they said. I can trust yes. you now. You mm-hmm. know? And, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I wish I was <laughs> and I've heard a lot of moms say that to me. Like, like they'll, they'll talk to me about something and I'll be, I'll, I'll say, you know, Oh, so this is what they said to you in return, right? That you need to supplement or you need... That's exactly what they said. So so we know the doctor's a professional mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we want to follow their advice. And this is something else that you can do that works just as well. So if a doctor were to say, you know, mom, I don't think you're making enough milk for your baby. Let's try formula, formula, formula or artificial baby milk, which is what I like to call it. <laughs> and it, I'm, I've used formula for my children. So I'm definitely <laughs> not against it. It helped them to help two out of three of them to go healthy and strong. Um, but artificial baby milk is not the, 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 the end all be all. You know, you can pump your milk out and measure it. You can get a lactation professional under your belt and feed the baby and have them come and weigh the baby after feedings. There's so many interventions and so many ways around Mm -hmm. reaching for that formula. Um, And it's sad because um, the part of part of what I see, which is so disheartening and so concerning, is I have moms and I have families who have breastfed one, two, three, four children, and they go on to have, you know, the last child or the next to last or whatever, and they've been successful with breastfeeding before, and they end up in the hospital, and someone comes in and tries to derail everything with the comment. You know, I had a mom who I had a mom who exclusively breastfed her Mm -hmm. first two, Mm -hmm. and she went on to do the same with the third, And we talked about it. And I said, you know, when you go in to deliver, they're going to send you home probably with this bag, the bag, (laughs) the bag that has all these cute little things (laughs) in it. And I said, you're, you're, you are a breastfeeding mom. You've done this three times over. You can take the bag if you want, but I would take out the formula and leave it there for somebody who needs it. Right. And it's absolutely mm-hmm. okay for you to do that. You don't have yeah. to accept every gift that is offered to you, you know? And I have, I like to add things, you know, little little tweaks of ways to do things. You know, if you really don't feel that secure or you, or you feel like you might run into a bump in the road, okay, take it home. But if you have 
a neighbor that you trust or a friend that lives really close by, have them hold on to it. So it's not home and in your, in your reach at that moment where, you know, that moment of weakness, because there's many, many, many moments of weakness. (laughs) So, you know, it's it's not easily obtainable (laughs) for you. You would rather try and push through that 3am feeding than to call up your best friend and say, hey, can I drop by your house and pick up that bottle of formula? <laughs> and in the morning, yeah, and in the morning, right. it might all be okay. Exactly, then. that is a fact. <laughs> yeah, and you look back and mm-hmm. you see that you were able to conquer that situation mm-hmm. or get through it as tired as you might be or didn't want to get exactly, up, even if it is a little painful, you did it, right? And, and I know from personal experience mm-hmm. with having to take things day by day, um, that those small victories are what really kept me going yes. to get to what my end victory was, which wasn't mm-hmm. here, um, most recently with Sarai, <laughs> because you know, I mean, woof, I, I mean, even with having the yeah. uh, education of a breastfeeding peer educator, um, I still didn't even know that yes. each baby, like your milk could come in faster. And, and I didn't know that. And so I was already, and for my own personal preference, I mean, mm-hmm. I know they encourage in the hospital not to pump for maybe eight weeks, but I won't even get into all that because I think that's so generic yes. and, and they don't really oh, know what oh, a person's I'm, home I'm, life is like. I'm snapping my fingers um, but whatever, and I have my palms open but... <laughs> for that last statement right there. Everybody's home right. situation is different. Yes. And um, again, if we're weighing edu- yes. uh, credentials and education and lactation support by salt, if your lactation professional doesn't take into account your personal home, if they don't come in and look around and ask you questions about Mm -hmm. every aspect of your life, then we might want to talk to somebody else because you Mm -hmm. take everything into account. Mm -hmm. Right. You do. And um, yeah, no, I mean, even when I talk to people, I ask Mm -hmm. them like, oh, can we talk about breastfeeding today? I'm like, of course. But before I start telling you what I kind of know or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be, what are your goals for breastfeeding? Right. Do you want to be the only person that can feed your baby? Do you Mm -hmm. want your partner or a family member to be able to help you? Do you want to sleep through the night? Like if you can, like, what are your goals? And then I exactly with them based off, you know, what they say back to me. But, um, yeah, no, I was in the hospital pumping, uh, like, <laughs> the baby was born a few hours ago, and I was pumping, getting, you know, uh-huh. the little, like, I think it's maybe only two and oh a half milliliters, but I was <laughs> filling that up with colostrum, and I was, you know, I was excited for it, um, which, you know, in a second, oh, yeah. if you could just explain the difference between what colostrum is, um, but just to quickly say, with my last breastfeeding experience, I mean, my milk came in so fast mm. I was so engorged yes you are and I remember <laughs> if I'm saying that right please mm-hmm. correct me um yes it was it was horrible mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. I, my breasts were like bricks <laughs> and I didn't know what to do it hurt I couldn't yeah. even latch her and I was like I'm about to give up I mean I'll never forget I fed Sarai formula um for a week and it's funny because I it was literally seven days and I felt so bad I mean I was feeding her breast milk as I could you needed to feel better didn't know what to do in the interim Um, yeah 
Right. But then I, that made me feel so bad that I was giving her a formula. And mm-hmm. so I was so determined. And that's when I finally reached out um, to a black mm-hmm. owned um, IBCLC and her organization. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that was such a wonderful experience. She didn't mm-hmm. ask me questions about like, if I needed the help or, you know, was there anyone else that could help? And I was a little yeah. far out of her um jurisdiction mm-hmm. and still came and I just felt like look at this village like I was so yeah. like overcome with so much <laughs> emotion as a new mom especially all the hormones all everywhere <laughs> and I think I probably cried when the IBCOC showed up to my house and mm-hmm. it was just like she came in and you know checked on me and she taught me so many things about positioning yes. the baby, how to relieve myself. I had to eventually mm-hmm. get meds for the breast infection and everything. But it was um, it was a wonderful experience working with uh, this organization and having someone who looked like me yes. um, <clears throat> with the education and experience that she had to come in and help me. And and I yeah. really attribute <laughs> your help. I remember that. I was you pictures like my last boob. <laughs> Like, you know, I mean, with your help and the support of um, this organization, I mean, I would not have a- achieved oh, my breastfeeding goal without you guys' help and support. Aww. So um, I will say thank you again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but no, really quickly before we wrap, wrap uh-huh. up, I did, you know, use the word colostrum. Do they really? Know what that is. <laughs> so if you could just touch on what... Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, if we could just touch on that. Okay. Okay. So um, colostrum then, is you know, a there. term. It has a few different names. Colostrum is the first milk. Colostrum is liquid gold, as some people like to call it. And, you know, if, if I were to describe it, it's it's a rain. It can be a rainbow of colors, um, which is awesome, uh, depending on what you eat, what you're drinking, and just what you make. And the cool thing about it is you make the exact amount that fits in your baby's belly. So it's usually measured. I measure it in tablespoons. A lot of other people measure it in milliliters. But the babies are usually getting about a spoonful um, at each feeding, which is completely sufficient for their tiny little marble shooter marble size bellies the first Mm -hmm. couple days even our big babies um Mm -hmm. again here's my comparisons um if you think about it cow's milk is made for cows right so cows are born at about 80 pounds at birth our babies are born you know i I just did a a a kahoot uh game with a group for a lactation meeting that we were doing and it asked how, what was the biggest baby uh, birth weight on record? And it was like 23 pounds, uh, 12 ounces. <laughs> now that baby, yeah, that baby probably had a oh, bigger, wow. a bigger Ooh, tummy, <laughs> but our babies average from about six to eight pounds. So their bellies are small, so they don't need a lot. What they need are mm-hmm. small, frequent feedings to keep their metabolism and their nutrients getting delivered on a on a consistent level. So colostrum starts to get produced in uh, pregnant persons around the 12th to 14th or 16th week of pregnancy. Um, some women see it um, and it shows up like little spots, wet or dried spots on your on your bra. If you wake up in the morning and you see like a little dried area around where your nipple is, that that's a sign that you're making your colostrum already. And some women never see it. 
unless they pump or unless they hand express by getting the milk out with their hand and squeezing their breast in a, with a certain technique. But it's enough. And again, circling back to that one to 2%, most persons will make it, okay? <clears throat> it's not meant to be seen. Uh, most of the time, the way, the best way to get information on whether or not your baby's getting colostrum, that first milk and that liquid gold, is we start counting uh, bowel movements and urine diapers, or as I like to call it, pee pee and poo diapers. <laughs> so um, it, it's a really easy formula. Um, the first day, the first 24 hours, you want to see at least one pee and one poop from your baby. The second day, you want to see at least maybe two, and you might get a second poop. The third day, you want to see, you know, maybe four wet diapers and three poops, and then it increases. And the cool thing about it is it increases as the baby's tummy size grows and as your milk supply grows. So you keep an eye on right. what's coming out of the baby because what goes in has to come out. So if baby's not getting anything, then the diapers are going to be less. The diaper mm -hmm. output is going to be less than, than, than the minimum or the norm. But if they're getting more than enough or a sufficient amount, you're going to see that one, two, and three kind of pattern until it regulates out to about, yeah, to about seven wet, seven to eight wet diapers Regulate. in a day. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the poo is a little tricky because some, <laughs> I just want to add a cool thing. Right. So breast milk contains all of the things that our babies need in the right amount with like the perfect mixture. So some babies will take in the breast milk, get rid of what they don't need and grow with what they do. And they'll poop regularly every day, at least a couple of times. But then mm -hmm. there's some breastfed babies who get so much good stuff from the breast milk that they don't have any leftover to remove out of their body. So they may not poop every day. And that can be completely normal after about the first or second month. So mm. if you have a two or three month old that's maybe having a bowel movement once a week or every couple of days, that could be completely normal and nothing to freak out about. So I just want to point that out. But uh, colostrum right. is... is it, 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 it does so many things. It's, it's, a, it's an immunization shot. It's packed full of immunity for your baby. Everything that you've ever been exposed to is cycled into your colostrum and, and I guess kind of regenerate it to offer that baby protection because our babies aren't born with a strong immune system. They work off of mom, which mm -hmm. is a really good, another good reason right. to breastfeed, even if it's only in the early, in the early, um, the early time. You know, so if you breastfeed for a short amount of time, you're offering your baby right. a huge boost in immune systems because kids' immune systems are not fully mature until they're about seven to eight years old, which is when you, if you if you correlate that, um, <clears throat> you notice the first couple of years up until about five or six, kids are getting immune immunization shots on a regular basis every time they go for their well visits and then it tapers off after about seven or eight right that's because their immune systems have matured enough that they don't need those extra mm -hmm. boosts so i just wanted to add that in <laughs> mm -hmm. no that is amazing and um I mean, to begin to wrap up, you, you said something that mm -hmm. um, I think is kind of a little tip that we can leave with um, breastfeeding or 
or any expectant person who is intending to breastfeed so you said um you know what goes in you know must come out from the baby and yeah um, buddy I always hear the (laughs) saying like to make milk you got to move milk right so (laughs) exactly so just Mm -hmm. um some quick tips that I'm even just learned in my own process um and please feel free to share whatever some quick tips or words of encouragement to um expectant or breastfeeding moms but you know if you want Mm -hmm. to produce milk or produce milk at a like I don't say a higher rate but if you want to pump if you want to see yes. like what you're producing you, you have, have to, to continue milk. to breastfeed yeah. like in order to make milk <laughs> you have to move milk <laughs> um uh-huh. yes you have to move it mm-hmm. <laughs> literally mm-hmm. out yeah so it's the baby, it's funny because bio, if you, the way the breasts right? work is it's not determined um, by the size of your breast so if you have small breasts or large breasts uh-huh. A small breast can yes. make milk just as well as big breasts like can make milk. <laughs> um, it ha- size has nothing to do with it. What counts is the more times you breastfeed and the earlier you get started with breastfeeding. So by earlier, I mean right after that baby's out, you want to start trying to breastfeed because what it does is it sends little, I call them text messages. <laughs> to your brain so your breasts are texting your brain and says oh my god the baby's here oh my god we need to start you know getting everything ready we need milk as much milk as possible let's right. see how often she feeds this baby so we know how much we need and then your brain says bet all right <laughs> send me a message when the baby eats mm-hmm. and I'll hook you up and then they just kind of talk back and forth like that so the more you feed the baby yes. the more milk <laughs> you'll have the next day and the more you do it the next day you'll have it the next day. And it it works on that. It is literally a supply and demand. Um, If you have a refrigerator at home and the kids keep going Mm -hmm. in and they take out all the food and then you look and you go, oh my God, I got to go to the supermarket. But if you have the fridge and nobody's taking food out, then you don't have to go anywhere to get any more food because it's there. So if you take the milk out, your body will know to make more because somebody's eating. If you don't take the milk out, your body's not going to make more and it's going to leave what's there and then start to have less and less and less until your milk will dry up. Thank you. I've been using that for years. That is such a great analogy. It should be called like the refrigerator method or something like that. (laughs) I love that. I was like, that makes total sense. (laughs) So if I share that with someone in the future, I will credit. We we know our kids with the refrigerator. You have little toddlers. (laughs) I I had toddlers at um, one point. They're always cracking that fridge open. (laughs) Yes. Uh huh. Oh my goodness. Snack, yeah. snack, snack, snack. <laughs> um, but speaking of snacks, mm-hmm. if you are a breastfeeding mother, yes. person, even a support mm-hmm. person, please stay mm-hmm. hydrated. Mm-hmm. Drink water and lots of it. If you are strictly nursing and not pumping and someone might yep. want to offer help or support but they don't know how, tell them, bring me a glass of water and let me cry my feet mm-hmm. up or a bottle of water. Always have that ready if you see me about to feed the baby um, because that is a great help as well with milk production and um, it's super important to keep uh, you hydrated. Nine, I mean, 80, breast milk I think it's 88% what, I mean, or 80 yeah. I might be cool, mm-hmm. right? it's like 80 or yeah percent water ooh, ooh, ooh. um so i have one more thing 
so please you may hear a lot of um, pregnant persons may hear you know drink a gatorade (laughs) or drink beer or drink you know these other things that will help you to make milk if you have to drink gatorade to make milk you're probably dehydrated it's it's just an electrolyte replacement so if you if you feel like your milk supply is dropping you probably need and you're breastfeeding regularly you probably need more hydration and it can be water it can be juice it can be whatever water mainly but make sure you're hydrated before we wrap up i just want to share some words of encouragement for um aspiring moms expectant moms or uh persons i'm sorry for the inclusivity um or someone who is already currently breastfeeding maybe on the verge of stopping or supplementing whatever the case may be but um i just first of all want to say you know well done even if you've only been breastfeeding for five minutes (laughs) it Mm -hmm. is an accomplishment right and to celebrate where you are um and to use your small victories whether it's feeding by feeding or day by day um to keep that momentum going and that will help you get you know to your end goal um i think it's so important to surround yourself um with a support system that can help and encourage you um especially if one of those support uh persons is um a trained or certified um or a veteran you know like we talked about (laughs) earlier um Mm -hmm. whether they're a breastfeeding peer educator or counselor a clc or ibclc um i'm i'm definitely putting that plug in and saying that although it was my third um pregnancy having that support was totally different um but definitely uniquely helpful um so if you're able to have someone um credentialed like that as a part of your support team for breastfeeding then i'm this is my shameless plug for them Um, (laughs) but no in all seriousness breastfeeding is not easy it is another full-time job especially if you have other children even just Mm -hmm. raising and a newborn or having a newborn um is is not easy um especially if you're pumping and you're doing it overnight when the baby sleep and you feel like you finally have a chance to sleep but you gotta pump and yeah all those things right um just know that it's worth it you know you took um whatever amount of time typically nine months to grow this baby and now your breast milk is sustaining the baby and that in itself is a superpower Absolutely. Um, so please just keep going please reach out to your supports if you feel like you can't keep going um and just know that we are rooting for you and uh shouting shouting for every victory that you and your baby or babies for moms of multiples um mm-hmm. you know so here supporting you virtually and you know uh-huh. mentally um for your for your gains and your successes and your breastfeeding journey absolutely absolutely um so before we close i would like um for you to just share one more time um mm-hmm. your social media handles and how people can get in contact with you maybe talk about some of the things that you have coming up Oh, um, awesome. Because um, I think it's super important and um, I, w- I would like for that to be, you know, a takeaway for our listeners. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you again for inviting <laughs> me. Um, I really enjoy talking to you and you know, I really enjoy talking about breastfeeding and babies and being a mom and being a parent, all, all, all that encompasses that. Yes. But I, I found a quote 
that I really, really related to. And um, in the great words of Maya Angelou, I do my best because I'm counting on you, counting on me. Mm. And I, I, that is just truly how I feel. And anybody who knows me knows that I work hard for the women and the families that I support. Um, and when I say families, I mean everybody. And this is a great segue because you offered me the opportunity to talk about um, some things that are coming up. I'm actually working on a workshop that is going to be released on November 7th of 2020, but I plan to do it in 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 uh, increments. Yeah. So it's called, um, uh, oh my goodness, I had a brain fart. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's called, um, it's, uh, it's basically, it's Breastfeeding 101 and it's, it's, it's in the family. Um, and what it is, is I'm running a workshop where a pregnant person, her baby in the belly or birthed can attend with up to three of their support persons. Right. Awesome. And it's for the, there is a fee. Um, I have a flyer that's circulating on my Instagram page and my Facebook page, which is the dot lactation doula. And, um, what it is, is you are welcome to bring the people that are going to be there with you during your breastfeeding journey. Because what I noticed was when I'm there, the support is there. But mm-hmm. when I leave, mm-hmm. the support leaves with me. Right. So I want the team. I want the people that are going to be there at three o'clock in the morning. The yes. People that are going to be there six, seven, 10 months, two years down the line. I want them to have the same momentum, the same feelings and the same understandings about breastfeeding that the the client or the consumer and I shared, you know, and, and it's really important because if I really quickly, my, my partner with our first daughter, he was like, Oh, you're going to breastfeed. The second <laughs> one, he was like, Oh, you're doing it again. Right. <laughs> but I had talked about it so much that by the third time he goes, you're going to breastfeed, right? Right. Right. Because He's it's healthy. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's healthy. Cause the baby's going to grow well. Cause the yeah. bonding and all. And I'm like, who is, who are exactly. you? So, <laughs> yeah. Family support is really important. If we're all on the same page then we can write this book together, you know? Yes. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not that I plan on having any more children, Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but if I find myself, pregnant again I think that would be super beneficial I mean I mean just quickly like you said I mean even my husband he Mm -hmm. is such an advocate for breastfeeding now it's Mm -hmm. so funny seeing him like you know oh do you need this and how do you prepare (laughs) for that and even just telling other people like no no my baby is breastfed yeah proudly I mean I love it I'm I'm so (laughs) picking up on those hunger cues right exactly the the baby needs you now Uh uh-huh Um, but I definitely think that that is important, um, to have, like you said, the support people, um, attend and, and receive the same knowledge and information, especially Mm -hmm. if they're a first generation breastfeeder, um, the mom and baby or the birthing person and baby. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, you guys, please go check out her social media pages, follow her for some more Mm -hmm. knowledge, tips supports regarding breastfeeding and um birthing as she is a birth doula yes (laughs) um but no I mean again I just want to thank you so much thank you um, for 
speaking with me about breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to thank our listeners for listening. Um, yes. And I really hope that you all were able to even just take one thing away, um, even if it's just to know that you're not alone in your breastfeeding journey um, or what you're going through or have gone through. Um, or even just some tips and, you know, the words of encouragement for those expectant or aspiring moms. Um, So yes, thank you guys. Um, Keep a lookout as we have some more um, very insightful episodes um, throughout this pregnancy series coming up. Um, So keep a lookout for when new episodes have dropped or will be dropping. Um, And, As always, I want to encourage you all to be gentle with yourselves. Mm. So until next time. Thank you. you (laughs) And be well. Thank you. Have Have a good one. Bye, everybody.